What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 57, and we're going to have 57 varieties of things to talk about. But we'll be talking mostly about Stargate SG-1's episode 100 Days. Thanks, Zach. On the fly show note editing happening as we speak. Indeed. (laughs) I'm sitting there like, it's not Ergo, and I can't remember the name of it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, it's up there, too. Okay, great. Anyway, we're talking about 100 Days today. Uh, And you can find us on Google Play Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts. And be sure to listen to the episode start to finish listen to it four times uh let the algorithm understand that this actually is one of the most influential uh uh thought pieces in the internet today so uh you know let the hive mind know and uh, on apple podcasts you can uh, leave a rating and review uh and if you leave a review we will do a terrible job with as good of sound effects as we can think of uh recreating it for a radio listening and experience at something i don't know words uh yeah we'll totally do that and you can uh, you can <laughs> contribute to that if you do a rating and review so uh, you know get on it and uh tell folks about us so that they can find us too and yeah. uh zach if a person is listening yes. to us for the first time and they're like what are you guys going on about yes why how 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 might they let us know that they are really deeply confused well, if you want to let us know that you're deeply confused, one of the ways you could do that is to give us a five-star rating and says, huh, in there, and then we'll turn that into a really fun uh, video, or well, not video, uh, audio thing uh, mm-hmm. for the podcast. Um, but if you're not quite ready to hit that five-star rating now, which you should be because we're just cool. But if well, you're yeah. not, that's okay. You can Obviously. email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That is W A L K I N G T H R O U G H T H E S T A R G A T E at gmail.com. Precisely as it's supposed to be. Exactly. Exactly as, as it sounds. Well, exactly as it's spelled. Yes. There you go. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Uh, engage with us there. Uh, or Facebook. We have a Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and a Facebook group. Uh, mm-hmm. Join the conversation and uh, do all of that stuff. And uh, Brent. We mm-hmm. have been talking for probably a month now about uh, other ways to engage with people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reality is that uh, my computer is old. Mm-hmm. And my computer does not operate as well as it should. It's and my actually computer, kind of miraculous that we are able to do what we do. Y- the other day, it just decided to die. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it, yep. it came back to life, but, but it did just... Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> without this computer, I cannot podcast. No, uh, it's, it's, it's a fact. It is. Uh, so we've been talking about this, uh, and uh, I just want to tease that uh, we are planning to get a Patreon uh, together uh, mm-hmm. so that uh, if uh, this is something that is worthwhile to you, you could uh, toss a few uh, shekels this way, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we would happily use those shekels to facilitate the, uh, the uh, purchase of new equipment that podcasting can continue. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as Brent said, this is the best thing in the universe, and so it needs to continue, and we need your help to make it happen. Yes. And uh, Zach and I have been kicking around ideas about what, uh, what, what, what tiers to be thinking of. We're, we're still thinking things through. Zach, I just had an idea all of a sudden. I remember a while ago, somebody was making a comment. We were, somehow monetization came up. I think it was in the Facebook group. Uh, this was a while ago, and we were making jokes about, like, you know, selling mattresses or, uh, you know, web space. <laughs> 
stuff. Um, and a thought just crossed my mind about, uh, you know, intentionally creating, you know, really goofy ad spaces. Um, right. As, yeah. as, as a level, I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, Zach, you and I need to talk about this more. We can't do this like while we're podcasting, but the concept of like, oh, wait a minute, that would also be fun. That like, would be fun. And that, yeah. that would also be something that at the appropriate level, uh, those who are Patreons could assist in the coming up with Precisely. at least ideas of topics, uh, of, of things to advertise and right. uh, uh, go from there. So a little, uh, a little like the old Prairie Home Companion uh, commercials. There you go. We could have a podcast uh, you... brought to you by Ketchup. <laughs> right? That's right. Homegrown. Homegrown Ketchup. Gardens. The uh, vegetable for my family growing up. <laughs> what's wrong you got a side of ketchup yeah you know, I, I i put vegetables all over my hamburger what are you talking yeah, about I mean, come on look at it this thing is healthy <laughs> absolutely totally healthy yeah uh anyway so we got anyway, that going on which yep, is nice so uh just stay tuned we'll give you more information about that uh in the the upcoming weeks uh as we get that set up and prepped and yep. ready to go um, also, Brent, as we mm-hmm. record this today, last night there was a huge tweet storm on Twitter about yeah. Stargate. Uh, Joseph Malozzi, uh, one of the um, showrunner type folks, I can't remember what his official title was, mm-hmm. uh, for SG-1 and other iterations of Stargate, uh, kicked off this big tweet storm. It's, it's all there, so you can go find uh, that information on your own Twitter account. Uh, unfortunately, I had a uh, Christmas party last night that I had to go to, which prevented me from actually engaging in that at all. And uh, Brent's excuse is that he forgot. Oh, yeah. No, I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I keep telling everybody that me and social media, we don't get along so well. And like, <laughs> I keep telling you that it's the truth. I like it's like, oh, right. There's a thing. Wasn't there a thing? Was it? Was it? Yeah. Was it a- was it a was it a was it a cloudburst? What was it? A, oh, a Twitter storm. That's right. So uh, that's yep. my excuse. Yeah, but uh, it was there. Uh, I, I I looked a little bit at it. It looks pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just some conversation from folks, uh, uh, and hopefully it uh, will encourage MGM to create more uh, Stargate content because that's frankly what the world needs and deserves. Yeah, I mean, yep. Zach, you and I we're doing our part creating Stargate we are. content. Yeah, in a way. But we need we need stories. We don't need a couple of yahoos on mics <laughs> just talking <laughs> at each other. <laughs> we need stories, man. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, we've already got a ten year plan here. We need a fifteen year. Yeah. That's hey. That's only sensible. That's <laughs> yeah. how this works. That's that. Yeah, yeah. So okay, uh, Brent. Shall we yes. dig into a hundred days? Yeah, let's dig into a hundred days. Let's do All this. All right. Let's do this. So the director for 100 Days is David Worry Smith. We've mm-hmm. seen his name quite a number of times. Uh, this season, he did Pretense earlier, and then, of course, this one. Uh, he has one more episode that he's directed uh, in season four, and then we will have to bid adieu to David. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did do quite a number in previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out some of those other episodes to learn more about David. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story for this was credited to V.C. James, and the V stands for Victoria. Uh, mm, this is mm-hmm. her only Stargate writing credit. Uh, she does have a production associate uh, title for a good chunk of season two, 
Uh, mm-hmm. Most of her career has been spent in that production side of things uh, in, in movies and TV. So her career began with, uh, in 1986 with Night Heat. And if mm-hmm. you know anything about Night Heat, uh, <laughs> go ahead and let me know. Sure. Uh, <laughs> let us all know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's been a produ- part of the production teams for TV shows like The Outer Limits and Reaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Outer Limits is incidentally where uh, Brad Wright, one of the direct, one of the, the teleplay for this, and one of the co-creators of the show uh, mm-hmm. was. That's he was working on Outer Limits when Stargate began. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reaper is a show about uh, uh, the devil and stuff. Uh, it's a comedy. <laughs> oh, I <don't>, okay. <laughs> it, 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 the devil got, and um, stuff. Uh, shoot, I'm blanking on his name. I can't remember. Uh, but uh, he's, it's got a famous guy who plays the devil in it, and it's good. Oh, good. Um, okay, great. <laughs> uh, anyway, VC James also worked on movies such as Electra and Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Mm-hmm. So VC James, and then now knowing it, it's Victoria. Um, uh, did you, Zach, did you see the news of uh, uh, DC Fontana's passing uh, I uh, this did. week sometime? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, DC Fontana, uh, uh, the uh, the famous writer yeah, for the original and, series of Star yep. Trek. She's mm-hmm. one of the creative minds behind that. Uh, she began work on deep on uh, Next Generation, and then eventually yep. she retired away from that, and then she passed yep. away earlier this week. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The teleplay for a hundred days is, mm-hmm. as I mentioned before, by Brad Wright, uh, the co-creator of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his third writing credit this season. He's got one more later this season, and then, of course, more going on. Uh, he wrote Into the Fire and Point of View. It's the first mm-hmm. in, like, the fourth episode or something like that. Um, and if you want to know more about Brad Wright, go listen to our uh, back catalog of podcasts. You only have all 56 there. others. It's all there. Yep. Uh, we've got a number <laughs> of guest actors uh, I'll, I'll highlight. Uh, mm-hmm. Primarily, we have Michelle Green, who plays Lara. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes by Michelle Domini- Dominguez. Gr- I'll try that. Michelle Dominguez Green. Uh, she was born in Las Vegas in '62. Uh, she studied ballet uh, as a child, and then was enrolled in the high school drama classes in junior high because she was apparently very shy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and later, she went on to study theater at the University of Southern California. Uh, during her college years, that's when she began work on television. Her first role, according to IMDb, was uh, playing uh, on Laverne and Shirley. She played a small character on Laverne and Shirley in hmm. 1979. Mm-hmm. Um, after graduated, graduation, she landed a, a role on the series Bay City Blues in 83, and then mm-hmm. she... Uh, moved on to play Abigail Perkins in L.A. Law for mm. quite a number of years on that show mm-hmm. in the mid-80s. Uh, Michelle is also a singer and songwriter. She's released two critically acclaimed bilingual albums, mm-hmm. uh, one in 2002 and the other in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to try those. Those are in <laughs> Spanish. Uh, um, Ojo de Tiburon. T- t- there you go. And uh, Luna Roja. I got that one. That's ah, easy. There you go. Uh, so those are, thank you very much for, for that, Brent. Uh, sure. I, I studied German. I didn't study Spanish. So ah. I don't trust my Spanish. Yeah. Oh, German. <laughs> uh, what would it be? Oyo de uh, 
Tiburon, I guess it would probably be more or less the same. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So that's Michelle Green playing Lara. Uh, we have Julie Patswald, who plays Natha. She was the young girl in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was born in 1980 in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. She is probably known best for disturbing behavior in 1998 and The Guard in 2008. And John Tucker Must Die a couple years before that in six. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually will play another character in Stargate Atlantis. And I want to say it's the first season of Atlantis, so we'll mm-hmm. see her pop up again. Uh, sadly, she died by suicide in April mm. 2012 after suffering from some chronic pain from an undisclosed origin. Yeah, uh, sorry to hear that. So, yeah. Uh, the other young person in 100 Days uh, is Garen, played by Shane Meyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he began his film career when he was 12 as Clint Eastwood's son in the movie Unforgiven in 1992. Oh, Okay, yeah. Uh, he also played a young MacGyver, uh, young Richard Dean Anderson, in really? a couple of episodes of <laughs> MacGyver in the 1985. Oh. <laughs> That's um, fun. And according to IMDb, uh, Richard Dean Anderson, or at least MacGyver, was one of his childhood idols on television. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in 85, he got to uh, play that. Uh, although, as I look at these... Uh, I don't always vet everything I type into my computer, and it says he began his film career with Unforgiven in 92, and he plays uh, young MacGyver in 85. Um, I, I bet you that's... Well, when, with IMDb, they're usually referring to the start year of the series. Okay, that's So be. I'll notice that. So it's talking about the 1985 MacGyver television series. He played, a, he played it in an episode, so right. know, at some point. Right, okay. And, and that did run for quite a number of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so here again, he gets to play again l- alongside uh, that childhood idol of RDA. Yeah. Uh, he's worked along Ed Harris, Chuck Norris, Mac Van Saito, Jean-Claude Van Damme, hmm. Stockard Channing. Uh, yeah. And he also will play in that same episode of Stargate Atlantis in a few years uh, with Julie. Oh, really? Yeah. So both of those but different two characters? Young, different characters. Huh. Uh, oh, completely okay. different story. Uh, um, yep. And uh, different characters in that one, uh, but they're together. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100 Days originally aired on February 4th, 2000. Mm-hmm. Number one in the charts in the U.S. was still I Knew I Loved You by Savage Garden. I knew I loved you. So as soon as I pulled the song up, like I was singing every word. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as I got it, I'm like, all right, this one. <laughs> So I, I knew I knew it. I just didn't know that I... Anyway. Uh, okay. And Yay, in the UK... Garden. What? Yay, Savage Garden. Yay, Savage Garden. Yeah, you're a big fan of Savage Garden. Well, I was. You were. Okay, come on. Admit it. You still are. You still love well, them. So I will completely core. admit that, I, that, that though I don't pull up their albums on purpose, um, whenever a song comes on, I'm like, yeah, this is a good jam. Like... <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, I that and Seal. I'm a really big fan of Seal, which surprises people. I don't know why it surprises. I don't know whatever. Um, have been for the longest time, and so like you know, like a Seal song will come on, and I'll just be just rocking out, and folks will be like, "Really? This is like for old ladies?" And I'm like, "No, it's not. It's for <laughs> hip young people like me." <laughs> uh, in the UK, they were listening to "Rise" by Gabrielle. 
I am genuinely surprised at how frequently these UK charts are throwing songs my way where it's like, I have never heard of this song in my life. So we're going to be going through the box office with this song playing in the background. Do you think it's okay. going to be, do you think it's going to be, what do you think? Is it, It's going to be like a strong, like. Uh, with, with a title like Rise, I think this right. is going to be, it's not going to be super fast. Right. But but it's going to have that 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 strong drive. That, so like, it's going that, like to be, we're gonna, there's going to be like a swell or something that we're going to have to deal with here. Oh, the, oh I'm certain there's going to be a swell at some point in time. Yes. Um but 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 even even so the the it's it's going to be leaning forward and moving forward, but it's mm, going mm-hmm. to uh be the energy of the song itself, not the speed that moves it forward. Gotcha. Okay. Not the tempo. So you ready for this? I'm ready, ready for, for this. ready for this strong song. Okay. All right. Here we go. Okay. And there. Oh, and now as we rise with Gabrielle, we <laughs> let out a scream for Screen 3, which is number oh, one in yeah. the box office. Uh-huh, and this uh-huh. rise creates lots of wind and insanity because, <laughs> well, let's be honest, lots of girls screaming creates a hurricane. The hurricane <laughs> is number two. <laughs> Little girls, Stuart Little, number three. Uh, when is this happening? Next Friday is the concert for Gabrielle where all this rise is happening. So next Friday is number four. And how do we know this is all good? Well, it, we only know because it's in the eye of the beholder. Oh, which ran the top five. nice. Nice tie-in. There Excellent. you go. Okay. I feel so proud should we, of myself. So what should we do? Should we should we cue it up so that uh, we're fading out now or that the swell is happening now? Uh, you, you know what? I'm going to let you swell and rise okay. as you desire. Here we go. Here's the, and there's the swell. Oh, yeah, man. Wow. Found another gear. Look at that. All right. All right, now now we can let it go. All right. Okay. So that was in the box office that week of mm-hmm. February 4th, 2000. <laughs> I hope this lines up. I really hope this lines up. <laughs> Otherwise, we've just put a whole lot of effort into something that is going to be really tough for me to figure out how to make work. <laughs> I, I have every... Uh, you know, I, I, I trust you. You know, you. <laughs> I have confidence in you. That's the word okay. I was looking for. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, or or it'll be really funny. Hey, well, one way or the other, I'm going to make this thing work. I'm going to try. Right. I'll find a way. All right. So uh, a couple of days before this episode aired on February second, the Bulgarian composer Todor Popov dies at the age of seventy nine. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, on February fourth. The German extortionist Klaus-Peter Sabata uh, is jailed for life for attempted murder and extortion in connection with the sabotage of German railway lines. Hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, This has nothing to do with this guy, but I had a a professor in my uh, master's program whose name was Klaus-Peter. Oh. Also from German, but totally not Mm -hmm. related to this guy at all. Sure. Probably. Probably. (laughs) Uh, I I, I was actually part of the team that that helped hire that guy. I was the the student rep on the hiring committee uh, for Uh Klaus-Peter. So that's kind of cool. I have never had to read as many CVs as I did for that. Oh, my Uh, gosh. Yes. (sighs) Yes. Yeah. All right. On February 4th, uh, Carl Albert, the American politician and the 54th Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, Mm -hmm. uh, dies. Gotcha. I, yep. I don't know who that guy was either. Okay. Yep. Uh, you know, whatever. Yep. On February 6th, a couple of days after this, we have mm-hmm. the NFL Pro Bowl for 2000 in mm-hmm. Honolulu. And the mm-hmm. NFC beats the AFC at a score of 51 to 31 with Randy mm-hmm. Moss, the Minnesota Vikings wide receiver, as the MVP. Yeah. 
Okay. Yep. Uh, so that's what we have for what was happening around this date. This is mm-hmm. kind of a boring time of sure was. Yep. <laughs> life. So there you go. Um, I do have a couple of bits of trivia for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the village set uh, was left over from the t- TV series Border Town that aired from uh-huh. 1989 to 91. Okay. Uh, it'll be used again for another episode of SG-1 later on. Mm-hmm. And they had planned to use it for an episode of Stargate Atlantis uh, a few years after that. But by that point in time, the set was in such disrepair that they had to move it to somewhere else. Yeah. And, you know, my reaction, I don't actually know the show Border Town, but yeah, I was thinking to myself, my goodness, this is a pretty extensive set. Like, well, okay, now I know they th- that, yes, it is an it, extensive it, set. It was just built for something else. Yep. Th- this this is not a, I have to build hell for two episodes right. in the middle of season three. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, yeah. The uh, particle beam that is being fired at the Stargate to melt an aqueda. Uh, the f- sound effect used for that is the same as the Gould ribbon device. Oh! I'm um, surprised I didn't, which, I didn't surprise I didn't recognize that, but yeah. Yeah, um, and I was listening for it, and I, I think they manipulated that a little bit uh, because it didn't strike me as quite the same thing. Uh, maybe there was just enough, uh, enough uh, visual differences that, that uh, it shifted gears yeah. in my brain. I'm not right, sure. exactly. Um, now, as for the uh, illustrated companion, uh, there is, I didn't know this until I read this, there is a, a, some, uh, a great deal of fan uh, differences of opinion on this. Some really like it, some don't like it at all, some mm-hmm. uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, one of the things that was mentioned is that uh, Brad Wright, the, the actual teleplay writer for this episode, uh, actually got his beginning in writing for writing plays as a playwright, um, which is why things like the the dramatic qualities of this and other of his episodes. Oh, he, uh, I see. Wrote uh, I uh, see. solitudes from season one. Yeah, right. Um, the you, you really get that coming out with this type of episode. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, a lot of people really uh, uh, have strong feelings about this episode, one way mm-hmm. or the other. Uh, and then the question becomes, you know, at the end. Is Lara pregnant? Um, and does O'Neill know about this? And if he did, would he have left? And according to Richard Dean Anderson, he says that if if O'Neill knew that Lara was pregnant, he would not leave at all. Period. End of story. So uh, there's that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that for sure. Yep. Um, and then as for the title of this episode in other languages, most of them just uh, are some sort of variation on a hundred days itself. Uh, however, in French, they call it La Plie de Fieu, which is the fire ring. <laughs> <laughs> totally butchered that. In part on purpose, in part because I don't know French. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, it's probably going to irritate my wife just a little bit hearing that. Yeah, she's probably just like, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she studied French. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So uh, there were a couple of goofs that I'll highlight here. One... Uh, when the meteors fly over in the opening scene, uh, they come over with the sound of the, the, the swoosh as it goes, which is probably a reasonably accurate swoosh. However, those things were moving several times the speed of sound, yeah. and so you would see it, and then you would hear it. They wouldn't be coming at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'd also probably hear that, that boom from the sound barrel being broken and all that stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, all that, so uh, I, I will forgive that for the sake of storytelling. Yes. Um, and then the meteor crater that uh, O'Neill is standing in is clearly a mining quarry, not oh, yeah. an impact crater. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's <laughs> clearly been excavated yeah, and not, it, you know, yeah. slammed into right. existence. Yeah, no, but, and again, it's a, it, it was another moment of like, okay, fine, like, you know, let you it go, know, yeah, because, it, you know, carry on with the story, yeah. but, you yeah, know, exactly. you, this was not an impact crater. Yeah, and, you know, but, you know, we can, we can, for me, you know, I'm perfectly fine with both of those to, to let it slide for the sake of the story, um, because they're necessary elements, and, uh, you know, we can... Uh, choose to believe even if what we are seeing exactly is not uh, exactly what is happening. Right. Um, but that that's also coming from my theater background as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, we have, I think, now time for the synopsis. Let's, uh, let's revisit. Let's revisit 100 Days, Zach. Okay. We shall do that. SG-1 is on the planet Adora. Along with their ho- host, Lyra, the team is watching the night sky for the show of fire rain to begin. Zach is... Uh, Zach. Jack is patient. <laughs> I don't know if Zach is. Uh-huh. He's nothing if not patient. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the fire rain is an annual event and begins this night every year. And as the scene is shot, Lara's attraction to Jack is evident. Mm-hmm. The fire rain begins. It's beautiful. Everybody's making a wish on the f- shooting star. But things change when one of those falling stars nearly makes it to the planet. SG-1 questions Lara about this event to learn more. This annual event gets more spectacular each year. In a day, the entire night sky will be filled with the fire rain. The concern for an actual meteor strike on the planet becomes palpable. Sam determines to make more observations that evening. Daniel plans to check the geological record in the morning. Jack decides to make a wish. The next morning, Carter explains to Lara what's happening. The orbit of Adora intersects with the asteroid belt in their solar system, so each year the fire rain comes. And about every 150 years or so, the planet passes through a particularly dense part of the asteroid belt leading to the fire rain striking the planet, which could lead to cataclysm should the meteor strike the area around the village. And unfortunately, this year appears to be that time. As Daniel heads off for his geology expedition, Sam returns to Earth to input her data into the base's computer. Lara invites Jack to talk about the negotiations between the two planets. Adora has Naquita. Earth wants Naquita. Hence, trade is born! But let's be honest, both Jack and Lara seem to want only the excuse to remain in each other's company. As the two are walking around the village chatting, they see the fire rain during the day, something Lara has never seen. On the radio, Carter confirms the sighting and informs O'Neill that things are only going to get worse. Fortunately, we have a plan. SG-1 will evacuate the Adorans, back to Earth to survive the meteor shower, then once things calm down, they can return. O'Neill proposes the plan to the village, and while most decide to trust SG-1, mostly because Lara agrees to trust them, about a third of the village chooses to stay behind. Unfortunately, during the evacuation, Lara's son goes missing. O'Neill and Lara head off to find him, while the rest of SG-1 continues escorting the Adorns through the gate. 
Lara's son, Garen, as well as Natha. Uh, lost my place. Now I have to find it again. Uh, shoot. Where, where is it? Gera's son, Lara's son, Gera. There it is. Found it. Hide. Lara's son, Gera, along with Natha, went to hide in the caves, <laughs> a place where uh, there was evidence from, you know, Jackson's uh, geolog- geological study uh, that some of their ancestors went to hide during previous events like this one. Unfortunately, this decision uh, would prove costly. As Sam and Teal are leading the last of the villagers through the gate, they see a meteor heading straight for the gate. They run and fling themselves through the wormhole, only barely making it through before it disengages. The meteor hits the stargate, burying it. No one will be able to use it again. The Adorans on Earth are trapped there. O'Neill, Lara, and the remaining Adorans are cut off from Earth. 24 hours later, Stargate Command attempts to make contact with Adora. They are able to connect to the wormhole. Yay! The Stargate survived! But when the MALP goes through, it never materializes on the other side. Carter surmises that the Naquita from the asteroid became molten during the strike and cooled over the Stargate to create an impromptu iris after the collision. If they can't figure out a way to get through this iris, all is lost. But don't worry, because Sam has a plan. She always has a plan. Drawing upon what Sokar did to the gate when he wanted Apophis' body, Carter wants to build a particle accelerator and use it to heat up the tiniest pocket of air between the Nakoda iris and the wormhole, and then with the iris heated, another kawoosh should open a cavern big enough from which they could dig out to the surface. It's a good plan. It's the only plan they have. (laughs) Unfortunately, it'll take several months to execute because they, frankly, have to build a particle accelerator. (laughs) Sam spends all her time focused on saving Jack. He shouldn't have to wait so long to come home. Back on Adora, O'Neill and Lara head back to the village. Much of it has been destroyed, but there are survivors. Over the next several months, O'Neill helps the village rebuild. But he also spends time trying to find the Stargate to no avail. It's gone. He falls in love with Lara as she helps him through his own grief of losing his old life. Slowly, he integrates into the Adoran lifestyle and begins to accept that this is his home from now on. When Lara finally sees in his eyes that he's accepted this place as home, she asks him for a child and to build a family together. She asks him if she can get rid of his clothing and equipment left over from his SGC days. And he agrees. Carter has finished her particle accelerator and uses it successfully. Unfortunately, the gate is on its side facing up. And so when the MALP passes through the gate, gravity took over and hurls it back through the gate, destroying it. But Carter and Teal'c don't give up. Teal'c gathers the equipment he needs to hang above the Stargate and begin the process of digging to the surface. But time is limited. He'll only have four hours of breathable air to make it to the surface. And because of how the gate is, Earth will not be able to assist at all once the gate closes. Otherwise, the Kawush will kill Teal'c. Nobody wants that. Uh -uh. Teal'c gets to work. The clock is ticking. As Lara is taking O'Neill's stuff away, she turns on his radio out of curiosity, perhaps, and overhears some of the conversation between Teal'c and the SGC. She is deeply saddened. But she decides she must tell Jack. 
Jack takes the radio and uses it to track Teal'c's position and then begins to dig. Soon the two sides are able to dig a hole to the surface. O'Neill is happy to see his friend once again. Mm-hmm. They dig the Stargate out. The Adorans on Earth are able to return home. Jack makes the painful choice between remaining on Ador with the woman he loves and returning to Earth in his old life. As Sam looks on, she tries not to show any emotion at the connection Jack and Lara clearly have. He chooses to return to Earth and to SG-1. As SG-1 departs, we fade to black on Lara, holding her stomach. The end. The end. So, Brent. Mm-hmm. A hundred days. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? So, <clears throat> by the time the episode ended, I had said to myself, oh, that didn't really feel like a 45-minute show. In so much as that, you know, it, it, it seemed to have moved along relatively quickly. The time. The uh-huh. time had seemed to move along relatively quickly. And usually that is a mark of a good story for me, right? That I'm invested in the story so much that I'm kind of not paying attention to how long it's taking to tell the story. But I found it curious because I didn't particularly feel that engaged in this story. Not really. <laughs> um, it, it By no means was it a bad story. Uh, by no means were any of the character motivations unbelievable by no means were any of the reactions the people's reactions to the things that they had happening unbelievable like everything was very like well written this was a well written story um from the point of view of character movement um and so when you were saying that Brad Wright uh, had his you know had his writing chops from the stage like that I think is showing pretty evidently like like every single point of character exposition is very believable and it's very natural flows one to the next um, such that the real actual story of of Jack O'Neill and his isolation and what how that has transformed him and how it transforms Lara and uh, uh, you know the town itself and a little bit about what uh, the SG1 team is doing you know it's all it's all very clean um, mm-hmm. And connected, uh, but there was just enough. Um, I like, I, you know, this might just be because I, you know I, I, it might not be the best to v- admit or view it from this point of view. But like, the, like, like Jack's story, it just I was just like, meh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a bummer, and yeah, you gotta adjust. And yes, the way that it is showing how he is adjusting is plausible. And yes, like. This is would be sort of how a character would or how a person would go through it. And, you know what I mean? Like everything about it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, Meh, okay. Yep. I mean, and it, maybe it's because I know, you know, at the end he's gonna end up back to the SGC. Um, so I'm not really too invested in what looks like his investment in his new fate. Um, hmm. I know that it's gonna be pulled back some, and so it's a little. I don't know. I just didn't really feel like I was putting roots down in this idea. Um, But then there's sort of another little element, which is by definition of how this isolation came to be, and by definition, the need to reunite the team by the end of it, you have to have a second story going along that describes why the isolation happened and what steps were taken to bring the isolation to undo the isolation. And that's the bury the gate and have an impromptu iris over the top of it um, right. storyline. And that storyline feels, 
it just feels like it's grasping at straws, but it's grasping at straws for reasons because there's just a little bit of uncertainty around certain like scientific elements within the construct of the story that make it just shaky enough for me to be like, well, uh, I mean, I know what you're saying here, but I'm not sure that I believe what you're saying here. So what do I mean? Um, Like the uh, so uh, Sam and Teal could go diving through the um, go 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 diving through the event horizon just before the meteor strikes. What's to stop all the meteor from going through the event horizon too and meeting them on the other side? Like, you know, they're just as much physical matter as the two people that just went jumping through. Um, uh, you know, but I get it for purposes of story. We're not going to have Sam and Teal diving through the event horizon only to be followed by like, you know, uh, <laughs> a flaming ball of whatever. yeah right exactly destroying <laughs> the sgc um but you know like so i'm like okay I, i'm gonna have to suspend disbelief on that one because you know we can't we can't have that happen um and uh so the gate gets knocked over and buried and you know molten knock nakwita cools over top of 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 this gate um, we've also already established that Nakoda is an extraordinarily reactive substance, yet we're kind of retconning that right now of like there's stable forms of it. And it's ex- now it's so stable that it can endure a very, very high energy event without without consequence uh, other than melting and reforming over the top of something. You know, that's me being nitpicky, but it's still like I'm going to have to suspend that disbelief a little bit, too. Well, OK, to be fair, the mm. gate itself is made out of Nakoda. Yeah, but we also have like a whole story arc of an entire like floor of uh the SGC facility being like liquefied because a drop of Naquita touched something else. Like, you know, like it's we're we're playing around a little bit too much with some of the material properties that make me just go like, mm, I don't know. So I'm willing to let it go i'm recognizing that i'm just getting in my own way on this one right like i'm not actually going to be sitting here like dying on this hill i'm just just sitting here just like well what about that and then the physics of the kawoosh are a little bit peculiar like fine we have to set this thing up so that we have this long period of time before there's resolution here and so what do we do well we're gonna we're gonna have it be impossible to have things materialize um because there's an impromptu iris over the top of it but presumably the whole reason why things can't materialize is because um like they're like the the iris is precision engineered to the point that we're talking about subatomic particles needing to materialize first right like like theoretically that iris is so close to the event horizon that there's like literally not even air in between those two spots but that can't be what has happened with a buried gate i mean it's it's rubble it's it's fill there's there's pockets of you know there's 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 pockets big enough to put pebbles in probably like you know what i mean like like yeah i get it there's material in and through the gate maybe that's what we're talking about here like the event horizon like well not even that i'm not just not buying it like the kawoosh like whatever fine for the purposes of the story i'm going to have to suspend my disbelief about how the how the event horizon works within the construct of of like material and we have to have a particle accelerator in there to get a little bit of vapor to get in there to get the kawoosh to actually carve out a little beehive above the thing fine 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 you know and then we get teal in there fine and he's hanging from the ceiling fine and he's got only four hours of air fine you know like all that's still okay like then the story kind of gets back on track but for a decent point there in the middle, I'm like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? And again, 
that wasn't the story, right? The story was about Jack. The story was about Lara. Um, like, that's what the story is. We're just setting up this isolation thing to allow for some plausible reason why Jack's all by himself, separated from the team with no hope of return for months. Um, that's the point. That was what the story is about. Uh, and this other thing is just the story that allows us to, at the end of this series, of the end of this episode, to say, yep, and Jack's back. Now, he's changed. Um, everybody's changed. It's been three months. Uh, uh, you know, a side note, like a little thing that I wrote down was like, you know, SG one's doing nothing during this three months, right? Like, obviously, yes. But on the other hand, like, that's kind of a big deal to just sort of skip over the top of like, they're doing nothing but trying to figure out how to create a particle accelerator. And even then only one person is doing it. Like, what's, what's, what's Daniel up to? What's Teal up to? And it, again, it kind of doesn't matter, right? Because the story is about Jack. Um, but these moments are little loose threads that are kind of hanging around and making me just go, well, what about this? And what about that? And I guess I got to suspend disbelief on this and I'm going to have to ignore that. And, mm. and so those represent things that are kind of dragging the story down. So it was already a story where I was a little bit surprised that I wasn't bored with it because, like I said, I got to the end of it. I was you know, engaged the whole time and I was like, oh, wow, here we are. It's the end already. Uh, and that surprised me because all through it, I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Nah, what about that? And I don't know about this, you know, like. So my overall feeling about it is kind of kind of meh, um, but it's it's meh in a weirdly complex way. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be quite as complicated of a thing as it turned out to be. So, you know, that's a whole lot of words that I just said. Um, Zach, what about you? What did you think about this? You know, uh, <clears throat> I enjoyed this episode. Mm -hmm. I like this episode, uh, but I'm also a sucker for good drama stories. Mm -hmm. uh, I... I I am a theater guy. I and when when I go to theater, it's like when I go to see a movie, I just want to see an action movie. I uh. want my movies to just be candy. Hmm. Um, I really don't need a whole lot of thoughtful qualities in my movies. Mm -hmm. If it happens, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But I don't go to movies to watch thoughtful, dramatic things. Hmm. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, when I go to the theater to to see a play then in those situations i want that thoughtful quality i want that drama the dramatic thing that that makes me walk away and see think about what am i supposed to take from this mm -hmm. and and this episode just kind of gives me some of that um you know the the acting is really really well done yes. it's shot very very yes. well uh you get this this quality that you know the relationship between um, he, uh, Lara and and O'Neill. From the very beginning, you can see that they're kind of flirting a little bit. Oh yeah. Uh, that that there's you know this isn't they haven't just met for like two days or two seconds. There there is already something going on here that that there you know this isn't just simply a love at first sight crush type of thing. There's more going on. Mm -hmm. Um, what that is, I don't know for sure, but it's there. Uh, and I love that relationship. Um. You know, as, as you talk and you you nitpick all of these little things here and there that that you know, well, what about this strand? Strand? What about the, that strand? I'm like, oh, okay, that's fair. Mm -hmm. I had never really thought about the the meteor strike actually spilling through the gate, but as you talk about, it, I'm like, you know, that, that's fair. That probably should have happened. Mm. Uh, I mean, I could probably you know give some sort of well, yeah, if you if you just do this and then 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 that sure. it doesn't work like that, and you're fine. You know, I, I could probably come up with some sort of stuff like that and create that. Um, 
but I never found myself worrying about that. They got right. through, and there was, um, you know, the the thing that that uh, stretches my incredulity a little bit is the well, we just need to build this particle accelerator type of thing, um, but we don't have one. Um, so basically, I need to invent it first. The only thing I know is that that Sokar had one. So okay, and then three months later, she has one. That right, right there uh, strikes me as uh, a little bit. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, right. But uh, um, that part I, I will set aside um, because then there's this story. Uh, you know, you see uh, O'Neill enter into this village and uh, he becomes part of it. Yeah. Um, one, right. of the, one of the complaints that, that I've heard some people say is that no way would Jack have gone native in 90 days or in 100 days. No way would it have only taken three months for him to to uh gone all the way in on this story or you know into this world and forgotten the sgc and i could buy that argument mm, i'll stick a pin in that Maybe. one i'll, I'll want to come back to that um you know i, I mean if, if you want to make that as as a claim I'm like okay uh i i won't i won't hold it against you um but i don't care about that um because whether it's 100 days or it's 365 days uh, I mean, you know, on a practical level, you know, this is a TV show and we've got to move on with right. the grander story. Uh, 100 Days seems plausible uh, to me. Would it have happened? Maybe, maybe not. Is it plausible? I think it's plausible. I think, uh, so I'll jump in with my little pin. I think that three months is, is I, I think that assuming that somebody wouldn't quote, go native, unquote, which, right, anyway, um, within three months, like... A careful watch of the story obviously shows that that what happened was that Jack O'Neill, after three months, said to himself, the likelihood of me returning to Earth went from 0.01% to 0.000001%. I might as well be here now. Like, he didn't, he didn't, like, completely change and alter and 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 abandon his previous identity not even in the not even the slightest i think that that criticism i think is just is 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 um trite or uh if not trite certainly lazy um like what happened is that we saw a person accept his uh his his situation after 100 days not completely fundamentally change in 100 days i would agree with that um and that's why i don't really hold a lot of stock in that argument either um i I think what happens in after probably about two weeks or so um you know just before it cuts to three months later type of thing right um so about two weeks happen uh go by and and he begins to say well okay the stargate isn't around there's this woman who i actually like Mm -hmm. um and and she's helping me with this process and she's been through this grief before with her own husband. Um, and and that, that, little, that little scene there when she's like, you know, for a hundred days, uh, I didn't leave the house. I didn't talk to anything. And he's like, well, what happened after that? Well, I left the house and I talked to people. Right. Right. Didn't mean that. Uh, that was a beautiful. It's like, I didn't stop grieving. Right. I didn't stop uh, missing my husband who died. Uh, but what I did do is I kept moving forward, mm-hmm. you know, and... I just really appreciated that. So, you yeah. know, that, 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 uh, for me was like, okay, 
O'Neill is like, well, I need to keep moving forward. And where am I moving forward? Well, right here. This is where I'm at. And that happens. And actually, I think the, the point where he finally accepts where he is when she's like, after three months, she's like, well, can I just get rid of this stuff? Is that okay? Uh, and, and he's like, well, wait, no, that's good stuff. And then he's like, well, does it remind you of this? And he's like, get rid of it. It's time to move on. Um, that's the moment. And after, that's, that's after three months. Uh, and I, I, I buy that. As I'm thinking about it, this is going to come across as a, bit, as a bit of a negative criticism, but only because it's, it's, it's going to come across as negative because it, there, I think it was a missed opportunity that could have been a little bit better or a little bit more. Um, one thing that was, uh, that was striking me at the end of the episode was that, uh, was that, uh, is it pronou- how is it pronounced? Laura? Not Laura. Ly- Lyra? I think it's Lara. Lara, thank you. Um, you know, Lara was losing uh, another partner at the end, right? Like, yeah, she had go- she had done she had gone through it once before, and she was, and we were watching her go through it again. And they chose to write the scene, direct it, and act it with an extremely high amount of dignity and poise, which is fine. Um, but the criticism is like, you know. It would have been messy and you couldn't have wrapped it up in a couple of minutes and you only had a couple of minutes of screen time left. But that moment ought to have torn a person apart a lot more than it looked like it did, I think. Like, from her point of view, Jack was there forever now and she might be moving into a mental space of, like, this is wonderful. Um, uh, You know, it's not like a replacement, but it is a, it's another, it's a, it's, it's another life building moment with a person that I care for deeply. And to have it, you know, and to and to be witness to it falling apart before your eyes probably should have had more negative weight than it did within the within the within the emotional um, uh, portrayal of it. And again, I can see that I grant that you don't have time really to get into it. You don't have time for it to be messy. Um, you you got to wrap it up so you keep it dignified. And you allude to this this consequential moment where she is. Uh, where with her hands over her womb, she is indicating that there's more going on right now, and we fade to black. Um, like I, I think that I have caught enough wind to know that there isn't much or anything else to this story. But I gotta tell you, upon watching it and at the conclusion, it certainly looks like this is gonna come right around and be and be important. Um, which is okay, right? Like they're setting it up like this is a big deal, and I understand if it's a loose end, it's a loose end, and that's the end of it. Um, but uh. Right. Like, you know, there's it's kind of a big deal right there. And that it it just felt a little too stately, maybe is a decent way to say it. Well, I I think there's a couple of things to that. One, I think the moment her moment of recognizing that she's going to lose Jack happens when she hears that. Oh, that's fair. uh, That's radio. Yep, that's fair. And she has there is. Some amount of time. It's not a long amount of time. We don't know exactly what between that moment and when they're sitting around the table and she pulls this out. You're right. But and she does uh, look pretty despondent in, in that moment. And and in that moment, you w- the way she holds herself. This is a great acted moment. And 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 how she she says these words. You could tell that this is tearing her up inside. But yeah. she has yep. some strong integrity that says, "I can't love you." And it wouldn't be fair to ask you to love me if I don't, if I'm not honest with this. Yeah. I heard something. Um, and then, of course, 
uh, we go immediately from this little tiny six-inch hole in the earth where Teal'c and O'Neill are gazing at each other yep. to the next scene that we cut to is the gate is up, the DHD is out, people yeah, yeah, are moving yeah. back in. Yeah. Um, okay, that's a good that's, point. That's a Who knows how long that was, yeah. yeah at right. least of work. Um, good point. And so we get just the final snippet of that. Um, and so for me, you know, here again, in that moment of goodbye, she is going to be who she is, mm-hmm. which is stately and strong. Right. And yeah, no, that's she, she's tore up inside and you can see it. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. It's right there. But but she's going to uh, not let that out in that moment mm-hmm. because it's not helpful for her. It's not helpful for Jack. It's not helpful for the situation. I think she's already had that moment with Jack to have that conversation, to have those those moments of absolute heart and hurt and pain mm-hmm. and despair. Um, and and by all means, when he finally leaves, especially if she is pregnant, um, she's going to be living with this for a very long time and just having to deal with that. Um, but in that moment, I think that's who she is. Mm. I think that matters. I think so. Thank you for reminding me about the time. Like, yeah, in the show, they didn't, they gave it a little bit short shrift because you're right. I mean, it was, it was, you know, uh, sweaty Jack face staring down a hole and then immediately like (laughs) villagers reunited, like, you know, and so you're right. Like that's not, that's not an afternoon's work. Um, that is, that is a meaningful amount of time between those two points. This is going to be another one of those episodes that, um, I started off in, with one kind of rating in mind. And as we talked about it, it's gotten better. Um, I don't know if it's gotten like hugely better, uh, but, uh, and, you know, back to my original sort of observation, by the time I got to the end of it, I was a little surprised that 45 minutes had passed. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I, it's because the story is good. You know, I still have some issues with the sidecar story, but the main story is good. And the main story is well acted. And, um, talking through the hiccups that I thought I saw in the main story now make me understand that those hiccups really aren't actually hiccups. Those that was you know the, the, it could have been maybe um, edited better? Question mark. Maybe it's more like it really forty five minutes was just too short. Like maybe that's really it. Like this isn't a two parter, but forty five minutes they couldn't. They needed just a little bit more time to make me feel as the viewer uh, where they needed me to be at certain right. points of the story. There was a comment in the Illustrated Companion, I think from Brad Wright, um, that that made me think that at some point in time in the process of this, there was consideration of turning this into a two-part story. Yeah. But I think you're right. There's, <clears throat> there's not quite enough stuff there to warrant two episodes. Uh, even if it would flesh out some of the stuff to have an extra 10 or 15 minutes, you're not going to get an extra 40 minutes right. of stuff. I think that if, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I was catching enough um, hints that, that this storyline might be just done forever within the story. And you don't tell me one way or the other. But um, uh, if, if writers were thinking about um, really launching a meaningful advancement of the overall story or of the character development or something like you could probably justify 90 minutes worth of television 
and and you know and think through that uh, B story a little bit more and make it a little bit more in depth and that A story really really flush the thing out and then you would have the time uh, to have a, a viewer go on an emotional journey. But then there's also the other reality of the thing. This one was you know this is going to sound a little bit um, tongue in cheek, but I don't really I don't mean it to be at all. You know this was a tender episode. And you can't mm-hmm. really stretch a tender episode over two weeks with commercials in the middle and everything. You know what I mean? Like you kind of need right. to get a person in the zone, staying in the zone, and then that's how you do an emotional journey with with this kind of stuff. Like you can't just like pop out, go back to your regular if life, you and then were get to right turn back this in. This into a two part episode, then what you'd expand most would be uh, the SGC stuff. You would expand the the struggle of building that particle accelerator uh you would get more of what teal and daniel are doing in that 90 minutes and you'd have to make that some sort of you know quasi perilous event happening because that's what television has to have there needs to be some of that in there because you're not going to get any more of that in the o'neill street agreed but but if you do that then you'd get but then you would dilute the tenderness of totally the o'neill story because um I mean, could you have seen more in that story? Yes, you could have. But honestly, the O'Neill Lara story uh, was told. Right. Yeah. And you don't need more dialogue. You don't need more walking around a set uh, to tell that story. No, I I could have used another maybe three minutes um, there at the end. So maybe in that respect, you know, maybe it would have been, uh, you know what, actually, you know, you might have been able to do everything that I want to have happen because I'm, you know, it's all about me, Zach. Um, if you if you <laughs> pulled, yeah, of course, if you pulled out, if you yanked out more of the B story, if you just if you just left more of it on the cutting room floor, maybe you allow the method that they get back to be a little bit mysterious. You know, maybe we don't have to uh, we don't have to to to, to explain it quite so thoroughly. Um, uh, you know, you let your imagination fill in some of the details. You, you, you highlight a couple of major points, um, but you you recoup a couple of minutes off of the B story and you put it back onto the A story so that you can so that that resolution at the end can feel more mature. Yeah, that would be my. I so suppose as we as we've talked through the thing, like start to finish, um, I think that might be part of the reason why I'm a little bit in the middle with the whole thing. It's because yeah, there, there's a good story here. There's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a of a of a hitch there that was well explained and thank you for that zach for sure um that hitch could have been avoided if a little bit more time were spent on it and a little less time on the other on the b story probably would have removed a couple of the moments of me going well that's a little weird right it would have served both purposes so well i i would argue brent that if you took much out of the b story and left it to your imagination you would have different complaints You'd be like, what the heck? Oh, I mean, all okay. of a sudden, three That's months later, boom, they just have this magic device that solves the problem. Uh, Talk I about would, a MacGuffin. I would argue that. Yep, 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 yep. Um, also, also, I think one of the values of the B story is to recognize and really highlight uh, Carter. Yes. Agreed. Carter's, like, like we, we've, we've heard hints for three years that, that there is some connection between O'Neill and Carter. Uh, we've seen it in other universes that they were married yeah. uh, or dating. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen moments here or there uh, which suggest, like solitudes and whatnot, that maybe there's something more between our O'Neill and Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's always been suggested 
And here we get something a little bit more tangible. Uh, I mean, you get that moment when when uh, uh, Frazier's like, are you going to be okay with it? She says, yeah, 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 sure, I'm fine. What, what, what's the problem? And we all know as the audience, like, because you love him a whole ton, right. and you can't admit it, and you don't want to admit it, right. but gosh darn it, you need him. Right. Because you right. love, and then that's just really confirmed at the very end, yes. when, when she's just looking on, and she's just, and, and holy smokes, Amanda Tapping, acting chop, she doesn't say anything there. It's just this look, mm-hmm. and, and you're like, wow, I mean, th- that's palpable. That's, yes. that's great acting right there. Yes, agreed. Oh, um, right. And so that's part of this as well. This was this was all right. I'm glad we talked it out. Yeah. <laughs> Me so, and this episode, we weren't getting along so well, but you know what? We talked it out. That's all right. So <laughs> you just needed 100 days. That's yeah, right. <laughs> or 67 minutes, as it happens to be. Or six, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, so, Brent. Yes. Um. We are at that point where you've been teasing, well, you know, Chevron's this, Chevron's that. Now it's time for you to reveal the actual number. Okay. So the story, so like I was saying, it was kind of a middling. And and through the conversation, it has not significantly changed my mind about it, but it has leaned it towards the better. Um, the main line, the main story was sweet and interesting and well written and well acted and well shot and the B story had me kind of tripping over some things every now and again and felt a little felt a little peculiar and caused just enough drag on the whole thing to make me go wait what's going what why uh, so um this would be an episode that if I were flipping through the television if 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 I was flipping through TV channels and Stargate was on and it was this one I got a feeling I would be like. Yeah, I'll watch this one. And then I probably maybe 20 minutes after that would be like, yeah, I'm good. I remember that. And then I'll do something else. So that's not high praise, but it is definitely like it's 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 not passing over. It's not like, no, this isn't worth my time. I'm going to give this one four out of seven chevrons. It's pretty good. I think it had some work to do and it didn't do it. But that's probably just me being more nitpicky than anything else. Sure. Um, That's cool. Four is a respectable number. Mm hmm. Uh, as I think about this, so one of the things that that uh, folks have intimated is that I allow uh, my conversation with you and the opinions of you and others to affect <laughs> my ratings yeah. uh, on a significant level. Uh-huh. Uh, and and you know that that's at least a a plausible argument to be made uh, if if it's not accurate. Uh, however, for this specific episode, I, I made the intention specifically of thinking about this before we started recording, yep. and I wrote down my answer, yep. and I said, this is my answer, uh-huh. and I said, well, you know, I- I'll allow this to be changed potentially depending on how things play, but this is my answer. Yes. Uh, and I wrote down five chevrons. Yeah. And I'm going to stick with five chevrons. Sure. Uh, I enjoy this episode. Uh, I think a little bit more for you. The the nitpicky things did not uh, don't distract for me like like it did for you. I ignored mm-hmm. it. Um, and you know, for me, this is an episode that that draws me into uh, the feels yeah. and allows me to to feel along with those characters. Um, and and not that I've had anything like that kind of experience of either Lara or or Jack. 
um, or even Sam or anything like that. But but it just draws me in and gives me a place to just be. And it doesn't. And and I I like that idea of, of bringing the, the the emotions in and allowing me as an audience member to to watch, to participate, to engage in it without having to uh, justify or to explain. It just is. And so I enjoy that. I like it. Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, this episode gets a five. Right on. All right. That's also a respectable number. We have some predictions. Yeah. Okay. What did did people think? I am, let's see here. I've got it. Okay. All right. We have a prediction from JD from Uh Facebook. He says, I'm seeing threes in the future in this episode. It's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was definitely my starting position. My, for sure, my starting position was a three, for sure. Okay. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I helped to influence your p- yep. position. Okay. Yep. We do have a few more from uh, online, and I'll just start from uh, Arnacht. Mm-hmm. Arnacht says, this is a really tough one to predict since it could go two very, very different ways. Since I have to decide on one or the other, I predict that Zach will give 100 days for chevrons mm-hmm. and that Brent will also rate it for chevrons. Uh, pretty close. Uh, pretty close. Yep. Um, and, and I think that that's fair. This this one that, that could have gone either way. Um, David suggests, in the words of Ergo, boring. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The it is interesting. The, the juxtaposition... What? I'm really glad that I'm doing this thing where I do, where I insist on watching one episode a week, because if I had watched Ergo and then this one, oh my gosh, that'd have been terrible. Like right back to back? Yeah. yeah. Like the pacing you know, is just so different. Yeah. So, you know, you had pretense and foothold prior to that, yeah. and then you had Ergo, yeah. and then you have 100 days, yeah. and then as I look at the ones, you needed an Ergo episode in there, you gotta, you, which was just fun. You had to break it up a little bit. <laughs> yep. Um, well, anyway, what did David so, say? David says, the effects at the beginning were cool, but we knew Jack would come back to the SGC and that Tilk would not die in the Kawush hole, so there's <laughs> no real tension after the disaster. Hole. Zach, three and a half, Chevron's Brent, three. Oh, wow. So, uh, again, he definitely got my. Know, so, we're getting some, some right decent now. predictions of where your starting spot that's right, was. That's right. Um, but uh, Kelly says, Brent. Gives it a three because it was slow-paced story that doesn't advance much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zach a four because they bring the episode back, if only briefly, with the added detail. Uh, the, the, um, okay, I'm not going to read the rest of that. Okay, but I love this stuff. Love it. Yep, but uh, yeah, so Kelly, uh, you know, so what I'm hearing is that most of our listeners kind of find this much more middling, and I uh, like this episode. Way better than, but most. I bet you. But I, but I, I think that there might be a delineation here. Like, if a person has a lot of experience on the stage, I think that that is probably a meaningful uh, aspect for the enjoyment because the like like the that could be the acting was good. The acting was good. The pacing was good. Like like the development of the A story was good. Um. Uh. And my and my only criticism of it was it felt like it wrapped up a little too fast at the end there. But um. Yep. You know, like so. And and I I know whenever I see um, good work in something that I am expert in, I appreciate it more for sure. Even if sure. even if it sure. might be like you know slow pace for somebody else or something like that, right? Like it could be. Yep. And we have one more prediction, oh, Brent. Okay. This is from Jess. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and like most other people, she predicts a three for you uh-huh. and a three point five for uh-huh. me. Um, and this just continues that idea. So clearly, I enjoy this better than most people. Well, <laughs> and that's good. That's how we know we're yeah. different. As one of my favorite podcasters that's right. like to say, that's how we know we're different. That's right. Yeah. So uh, thank you very much, everybody. Yeah, this for, is super uh, fun. In your predictions, <laughs> yeah. I, I I find it real fun to to read these things and and see uh, what other people rate it and how that affects uh, us and such. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people uh, did nail your starting place. Oh yeah. But uh, I influenced you and brought you up to a four. Mm-hmm, Haha. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody anticipated apparently that I would enjoy this as much as I do. Yeah. Well, now they but, know. See, now they're now they're on the lookout. That's right. That's right. But hey, don't worry because you have another opportunity <laughs> as we move on to the next episode, which is Shades of Grey. Yeah. And so I ask you, Brent, yeah. tell me about Shades of Grey. Okay. All right. Okay. Shades of Grey. <clears throat> and I'm not, we're not going to go to the obvious spot. So get your minds out of the gutters, friends. We're not going to go there. Um, Are you going Star Trek? Maybe. Uh, okay. We'll see. All right. The SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. They seem to be on the planet of a singular mind that is absolutely fascinated with the culture on Earth. They walk through a long hallway with different rooms on either side as they try to ascertain the nature of the place that they're in. Side note, they also lost the gate. That's why we're not just going back home, but whatever. Um, uh, They go into (laughs) one room and they see a scene laid out before them. It is of 18th century, no, 19th century Britain and folks are enjoying tea and they seem to all be enjoying a particular flavor and... And Daniel Jackson sniffs the air and he says, Earl Grey, hot. Next, they work to another room <laughs> and they open it up and it's still 18th, 19th century Victorian England, now that I think about it, which is peculiar. And they seem to stand in front of a, a large oil painting of an old man. And next to it is a person looking gazingly, or no, oh shoot, the story is that he can't look at it. Oh, I'm screwing it up. Next to it is a person who's not looking at the painting at all, but looks exactly like it. And it's, hello, what's your name? My name is Dorian Gray. They move to another room and they open the door and they see a scene of an old, like 1950s Midwestern town. And in it, there's a, there's a, there's a young man who has, who's shouldering an olive drab bag as he's getting a hug from what looks to be his high school sweetheart. And he boards a gray hound bus. How do these stories intertwine? What's going on? What is the mysterious force causing all of the strange references to Grey? Find out next time on Stargate SG-1's Shades of Grey. Fascinating. How? how, Did I get it? Did I get it? Did I get it right? Um, sure. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's convenient. That's exactly what... I I, I, I can't believe it. You nailed that story perfectly. (laughs) One of these days, Zach, one of these days, I'm going to be like pulling out the funnies and it's unfortunately going to be exactly right. One of these days. Well, that is true. One of these days it could happen. Yes. Uh, there have been some times where your your guess has been uh, pretty close. Yes, It's not true. with the specific episode with something else. Uh, suffice it to say, uh, we should watch the promo. Yes, we should. We should watch the promo. All right. Here we go. Yep. Uh, oh, yep. Okay. Ready? Yes. Next time on Stargate SG-1, 
Our core mission is to go through that gate and find technologies we can use to defend against cool incursion. Am I right? You are bordering on insubordination. We do not steal oh, from boy. friendly. Well, with no due respect, Jim, that's just plain stupid. Oh my gosh! After being forced into retirement, Jack O'Neill receives an offer from a former adversary. What the hell is this, a <laughs> joke, Mayborn? What if I told you I could arrange for you to lead a team through the gate, to acquire whatever you want, whenever? The NID? I have your first mission, Colonel. Yeah. Faced with no other options, Jack O'Neill makes a fateful decision. SG-9 was unable to negotiate to get the device. Oh, it's all boy. next time on oh, Stargate SG-1. Oh, man. Oh, excellent graphics on that one. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Again, many thanks to David. Um, We're going to go rogue, aren't we? We'll have to wait and see. Well, I can tell because we're wearing those, uh, we're, we're wearing dark color tactical gear. That's true. We only wear yeah, there, dark there, color tactical fair. gear if we're going rogue. Yeah. yeah cool. That, that's fair. Okay. That has nothing to so, do with Dorian Gray. No, but it does have a lot to do with different shades of gray. I suppose. Do they drink tea at some point? I don't recall. Do they ride a bus? Pretty sure they don't. Dang. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right. We'll have to see. Okay. Well, well cool. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. So, uh, dear listeners, tell us what you think about uh, 100 Days. Um, tell us uh, what you where we got it right. Tell us where we got it wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. Try to convince me that I gave this episode way too many chevrons. Because <laughs> um, you all predicted that I wouldn't like it. Uh, so uh, that's fine. Um, whatever it is, uh, email us, walking through the stargate at gmail.com. Talk to us mm-hmm. on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Go to the Facebook mm-hmm. page and uh, poke and prod there and, and join the conversation. Uh, in that spot, and uh, stay tuned for more information about Patreon. That's right. That's right. Uh, kind of excited about that. We got some good ideas, I think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, more information on that coming soon. And uh, yes. with that, I'm Zach. I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. Yeah.